Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 2 of Beyond the Chalkboard. My name is Dr. Gordon Cobb, and I am thrilled to be your host this season. This podcast creates opportunities for KPU faculty to share ideas, inspire innovation, and give real-world examples of successful technology-based teaching strategies. Thanks for tuning in! On this episode of Beyond the Chalkboard, I talk with Dr. Nishan Pereira, a KPU faculty member who specializes in marketing, intra-cultural communications, and the use of technology to enhance teaching and learning. Nishan and I talk about his personal teaching philosophy, the technology he uses within his curricula, the influence of social constructivism on his work as an instructor, and what it means to be a disruptor in post-secondary education. I am here with Dr. Nishan Pereira. Nice to be here. Thank you, Gordon. <laughs> Could you just give us a brief introduction to how you ended up at KPU and what you do here? Okay, so currently I'm uh, teaching in the marketing department attached to the School of Business. I uh, uh, joined KPU about 11 years ago, uh, landed in Canada in 2007 and in 2008 January I applied for this job and I got it so I've been teaching in the marketing department ever since uh, teaching various types of marketing courses yeah I wanted to ask you about your general approach to technology because we both have similar approaches we talked about this before our interview and uh, I was wondering if you could share with our listeners um, your kind of your personal philosophy about technology right so uh, I think when many people hear the word technology uh, almost for certain some people get intimidated they talk about various types of digital technologies etc etc for me uh, technology is just a medium uh, just another tool. Uh, technology could be even using a flip chart in a classroom or even the chalkboard or uh, using an index card to get basically to, uh, get students to get in, in, engage in some kind of an activity. So for me, uh, I think it's an enabler uh, in terms of achieving uh, achieving uh, the, the, the educational objectives that you have set for yourself. Um like anything else so i don't view technology as uh, the latest tools like there's a tendency among some of the colleagues that i work with uh, trying to learn the next best thing and try to apply that to uh, their educational settings for me i think i would start with what works for students best uh, what is the learning objective that i'm trying to achieve and then i would go and start looking for the tool that would be useful so uh, for me, technology is just a tool that extends learning beyond the classroom. And did you have an extensive experience with technology before you started teaching? Well, um, as I mentioned, I came to Canada about 11 to 12 years ago, and I had no exposure to any kind of technology. I used to uh, stand in front of 400 people, and I used to dictate notes. Uh, that's how I kind of taught before coming here. And having started work at KPU, the first technology, I've, uh, the digital technology medium that I was exposed to was Moodle. 
so the very first time that I taught, I signed up for a Moodle site and I had absolutely no idea what it was, how it operated. Uh, but I played with it, uh, figured out uh, various types of tools, etc., etc., and I, I mean, today I cannot teach without Moodle. Uh, I, I, I got to like it so much. So for me, it has been a trial and error uh, right from the beginning. Um, started with nothing, but today I feel very comfortable in terms of using any kind of tool. I might have used it a hundred times or I might use it for the first time, but I don't feel intimidated by it because as I said, it's just a tool. Uh, my primary goal is to understand what I'm trying to do in the classroom, how it's going to benefit the student, and then you use that particular tool to help them. So, yeah, you play with it and you enjoy doing that. I have sort of a similar approach. Uh, we were talking about how um, I make music videos with young people and I do a lot of film work, but right. I have no formal uh, film or video training. I'm completely self-taught. Right. And it doesn't come natural to me. It is uh, trial and error, lots of failure, um, hard work, right. willpower, um, the ability to research and find things online and ask people questions. Right. Strangers that I see on, you know the ferry or on the street and I run up to them and ask them, what is that piece of gear? And, right. and then I find it online and I watch somebody using it. And yeah. uh, that's how I learn too. It, it's technology for me is something like you that I will choose for a particular purpose in a class. Uh -huh. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Right. And if it doesn't work, I just search for something else. Uh -huh. And then eventually after years of working at it, you find the right thing and then of course then the technology changes or uh, becomes obsolete and then you have to try again right but that's just the nature of education right now too it's changing so quickly absolutely I think you brought up a very valid point you said that technology changes the only constant thing is change when it comes to various tools and that's a problem if you focus too much on a tool and try to teach around that tool and when that tool changes your approach changes but if you start the other way around like all of us who work at KPU or any other institution we teach uh, we use different types of methods to teach so if you start with that and then you try to figure out how best should I deliver this to my students uh, I think that's the right way to kind of work with it um, because your fundamental philosophy, your base, your pedagogy, uh, that doesn't alter, but the tool will get updated every season, every semester yeah. uh, because there is always the next best thing that comes out. Yeah. Uh, you can update it, etc. And even folks who have been using Moodle here at KPU, we started with, I think, Moodle 1 point something and right now we are at 3.8 and you have seen the transformation in terms of what Moodle can do to enhance learning. Uh, so try to do things incrementally work, but disrupting uh, the way you teach and you will learn also like I I'm a disruptor myself I think before the interview we talked a little bit about that so yeah can you explain what you mean by a disruptor 
So for me, uh, I get bored very easily uh, in anything that I do. So I always need to do something new. So disruption for me is uh, redoing something that I've done that has even worked perfectly, uh, totally in a different way and to kind of experiment with different types of things. Uh, and sometimes I've spent hundreds of hours redoing the very thing that I worked and it worked well. I can give an example. Uh, I used to do peer evaluations um, in class using paper-based methods. Like in my, I teach marketing and most of the courses that we teach has a group uh, element to it. So in order to hold students accountable uh, uh, into in terms of the work that they do, we get each peer to evaluate others' activities. So I used a paper-based method to kind of do that. It worked perfectly. Then one day I stumbled upon one tool in Moodle called the feedback tool and I was playing around with it and uh, I thought it would be a perfect substitute. Uh, without realizing the amount of work that I had to do, I, I, I think virtually spent about 50 hours trying to set that up. Uh, and that whole semester I was so busy working on that. But in the end, like uh, that tool ended up to be really great. I did this about three years ago and every single semester that I teach, I have made huge changes to the way in which that I use that tool. So uh, I enjoy doing that. Uh, for me, uh, there is no excitement for me. Uh, otherwise, if I just do small changes, incremental changes, uh, sometimes I, I kind of lose interest. Um, I wanted to ask you about your approach to using constructivist epistemology because it's, you know, it's a mouthful for people who don't know about the constructivist epistemology, but you, you are able to apply this epistemology in such a practical way. And so I wanted uh, to ask if you would talk about that. Sure. I think uh, before the interview, we did talk a little bit about that. So... As I mentioned to you earlier, me discovering social constructivism was by trial and error. Uh, as I mentioned, when I came here to Canada and started teaching here uh, marketing, I knew the meat and potato of all marketing because I've taught marketing before in various international contexts. But what I lacked was I lacked examples of Canadian companies, Canadian marketing situations. So the very first time that I taught, this was three months after I landed here to Canada, uh, in order to compensate my lack of understanding of some of these examples, I decided to tap into the local knowledge of the students itself. And I created various types of activities uh, where, I, where I taught the concept and got students to give me examples of uh, marketing examples in the local context. And I realized that the, the collective wisdom that was there in the classroom far supersede of one any marketing expert that could basically uh, provide that knowledge base. So uh, I really loved it. And then when I started uh, doing my master's program and my PhD program, when I hear social constructivism uh, and I kind of learned that as a concept, I realized that that is what I've been doing. So what it essentially means is that learning takes place uh, in an environment where students learn from each other. So your role as a 
uh, faculty member fundamentally changes uh, because you are no longer a transmitter of knowledge. You are a facilitator where you create the right environment for students to basically engage. So in some of the intro marketing courses that I teach, uh, I get students to play an online simulation game where they design a backpack uh, and they price the backpack and they dis identify distribution channels and they kind of uh, develop different types of communication channels and the game simulates in terms of based on what they do the results etc so i don't teach any concepts at the beginning i get them to explore uh, it, some individually some in a group environment and every single semester at the end of the term, when we talk about it, the the wisdom that students uh, kind of share with the classroom amazes me. So that's the power of uh, social constructivism, where you give students the, the opportunity to kind of engage in certain concepts and bring their life experiences. We have 35 students in a classroom. So 35 students plus the instructor. We have hundreds of years of experience uh, even though students are 18 or 19 years old, they bring in their own background knowledge, etc., etc. And uh, another example, uh, once we were doing uh, an international marketing example, where there were students from different cul cultures and different countries, and they were able to share their own collective experiences in terms of how marketing is done in their own countries. That was so valuable for our local students who had no idea how, how other countries basically approach that. And you cannot ever learn that kind of a thing from a textbook. So it's a very powerful medium. Well, and it's really powerful too because then your students are able to see themselves in the work they're doing in your class. And then there's a sense of ownership and empowerment. And, you know, that's how you can make education transformative for your students. Absolutely. And this is where the technology piece is also useful. Uh, I've been using online discussions in a uh, very deep-seated way for many years. So uh, especially this is a tool available in Moodle where you can create a forum and get students to kind of in, uh, engage in a discussion. The great thing about that is uh, students get to do some work before they come into the classroom. Uh, we all know the power of asynchronous learning where students get the opportunity to kind of engage, do research and think deeply and contribute something towards the discussion before they come into the classroom. And when they come into the classroom, they are able to use those thoughts and get into a more deeper conversation. So I'm also a big proponent of blended learning where you blend online and classroom uh, learning together. So depending on your epistemology, I mean, I, I'm a self-declared uh, social constructivist. I think it's, that's, that's an important place to start uh, and define your pedagogical background. And then you can basically choose the relevant tool that would be applicable to give the students that particular experience. So can you tell me a little bit about maybe, we talked a lot about failure before this interview. Right. So what were some of your, the failures that you had when you were using technology that you learned from that ended up becoming uh, a doorway into a new way of doing things? Can you think of, of any offhand? 
I can give you hundreds of examples. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I always tell my two sons like, you know, failures are the pillars of success and I am an example of uh lots of failures in my life where I've learned from it, especially even in the classroom. I think one thing if you're to kind of learn or to be a disruptor is that you should not be afraid to fail. And after all, nobody's going to judge us in terms of our success and our failures. At the end of the day, if we have the correct intentions to teach students and to give them the best experiences. So I can give you an example. We tried out uh, a pilot project in terms of blended learning. Uh, so this was a unique project that we did at KPU where we designed courses in a such a way where students came to class one week and the other week they did not come. They did some work outside. Uh, so one week on, one week off, etc., etc. So we worked out several types of modules. One of the biggest mistakes that we did was uh, we designed the course in a such a way expecting students to do a certain amount of work before they come to class so that we could build on that particular knowledge right but unfortunately we did not develop adequate assessment mechanisms to motivate students to complete those tasks before they come to class vast majority of students i would say a good 80% did not complete most of those tasks online and when they come to class they did not have that background knowledge so it was an utter failure because they had to relearn some of those concepts in class where the whole idea was they engage with the content online before coming to class and in class they the expectation was they were they were applying their, those concepts to real life situations so yeah. we couldn't do that because students had not really done their homework and it was a big failure on our part because the way in which we designed those uh, interactive activities was very intimidating to students we didn't give them the right uh, uh, instructions we did not use the correct tools etc so the first four weeks of our, our I would say we did this with a couple of instructors was a total failure and we quickly learned from it and we made some changes uh, and we we had to think on the feet and we were able to salvage that particular course that semester but going forward what we did was we developed a couple of models based on the intensity of work because initially we expected students to complete about 9 hours of work uh, in in terms of completing their project so we brought down the amount of time that they had to spend considerably uh, brought it down to about 2 hours of work and that really motivated students and we were able to earn some get uh, achieve some results from it so that was one example uh, there are other examples we could talk uh, so i i think the the point there is that uh, when you make these mistakes if you kind of get intimidated or if you feel that it was a failure itself uh that would stop you by trying to do something new again um uh, i think those are the excellent lessons that i've got and it has motivated me to kind of try harder uh, and also the other thing that i constantly do is every semester the last couple of classes i spend some time with my students asking them to give me feedback in terms of their learning experiences uh, i know we have a formal evaluation system where students evaluate students but yeah. majority of them don't complete them but when as a teacher when they when you ask them tell me what i did uh, good this time tell me what i went wrong and the honest feedback sometimes 
you get from students sometimes it's difficult to hear that but if you are matured enough to get that experiences their experience and work on it i think that's the biggest change we could basically do uh, and sometimes students tell you outright to your face you messed it up and i think that's that's a great way of learning uh, and i think most students are honest about it except for few you know um so i think that's the way to go yeah i think so too i always ask my students informally at the end of a class right uh what was your favorite part right what was your least favorite part um what could i do better right uh in this class how could i make this class easier for you mm-hmm. or how could i make um the experience better for you and uh because i come at it from a, i tell them i'm a lifelong learner you know right. like i've been teaching for a long time sure. but i feel like i can always do a better job so as uh, as the community that i work with what can you tell me that can make this course better and right. it's so interesting to see how that can change the culture of a class right first of all when they realize you're a human being mm-hmm. and second of all when they realize that you're really invested in their success right and you want the feedback so that the next time you teach the course it will be better for the next group right and students really appreciate that i've noticed over the years i've done it many times absolutely the first day of class that i i tell them my teaching philosophy is that i don't believe in teaching courses but i do believe in teaching students the reason i i explain to them the difference between that because when you teach a course the student become just another statistic one out of 35 but when you teach a student you are teaching a human being and i strongly believe as teachers uh, we have this responsibility to mold every generation that comes uh, with us so uh, it's not about just imparting knowledge it's about developing their skill set uh, helping them to manage time etc etc so when you basically tell them what you intend to do yes you talk to them about course objectives this is what we expect to achieve at the end of the course but when you also share with them uh at the end of the day your expectation is to give them all the best opportunities to succeed in life uh, especially to find a job uh, of of their liking etc etc and when you take that personal interest uh it makes a huge difference at the end of the day and i have a policy where i uh respond to my emails within 24 hours but in reality i respond to them within 5 minutes that they send me an email because i'm always online my i have technologies that tells me okay your students have sent me emails so that quick response really makes a difference at the end of the day because you they seem to believe that you're totally interested in you and i think that's what it is at the end of the day your student uh, that's the most important person yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. I would like to ask you some rapid fire questions. This is where we get to just have a little bit of fun. Sure. So, what is your favorite app? Uh this is app called Wonderlist that I use. It's a scheduling app uh where you could use them in multiple platforms uh through your iPhone, your iPad and your computer. I love it. It helps my life much more easier to kind of schedule things. <laughs> and do you have a favorite software? Uh recently I stumbled across something called Tableau. Uh it's a software that helps you to visualize your data. So I teach marketing analytics, so I I'm, I love it. Yeah. 
How about a favorite piece of hardware? Uh, I would say an iPad. I love my iPad. It does wonders to me. <laughs> yeah, me too. I love my iPad. Uh, your favorite movie? Okay, that's a difficult one. I've watched thousands of movies. I'm a real movie buff, but I think one movie that would I would never forget would be Jurassic Park. Uh, I was so amazed at the technology that they used to animate and bring things to life. So I would say that's my favorite movie of all time. Cool. Uh PC or Mac? Bit of a conundrum. I was born PC, but I'm on Mac. But I'm in both worlds. I would say I use my PC for my o- official work, and when I play around, I use my Mac. So bit of both, I would say. I think you've kind of captured both of those platforms brilliantly in that statement. Thanks. Uh, sweet or savory? Definitely sweet. In a Disney animated film, who do you usually like better, the hero or the villain? Definitely the hero. I like to feel good about myself. <laughs> <laughs> If you could have a superpower, what would it be? Time travel. I wish I could time travel as a kind of a super uh, that kind of a superpower. I would really love to go back to the past and change things. Yeah. Uh, and if you were a superhero, who would you be? Okay, this might sound a little funny, but uh, I think uh, Wonder Woman. He's my superhero. Yeah, she's rad. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> we love Wonder Woman. Yeah. Who doesn't love Wonder Woman? <laughs> um, if you weren't uh, an instructor here at KPU, what other career path might you have taken? Um, you know, my initial love was to be an architect. I think I would have been an excellent architect. My uh, The opportunity to become an architect was lost due to a error in my judgment in the past. But I think if I was not an instructor, I would have been an architect. Yes, certainly. Mm, interesting. <laughs> I wanted to be an architect when I was a child, right? And then I wanted to be a doctor, and then a kinesiologist, and somehow <laughs> ended up being an artist. Right. But you're still a doctor now, hey? That's right. <laughs> PhD. PhD. <laughs> so you know, if if your uh, melody has an illness, I can help you fix it. Sure. Uh, name one of your personal heroes. Well, my personal hero is my mom. Maybe sound might sound a little cliche, but my mom was a single parent who basically helped me to achieve my dream. Uh, a woman who sacrificed everything for to give a better life for us. So she's my hero, personal hero. But on a kind of a professional level, I think uh, President Barack Obama is also. One of my personal heroes. I virtually cry when I listen him talking. So yeah, yeah he was so great. Yeah. Uh, who was your favorite childhood teacher? Okay, I thought about this a little. Um, I had a teacher by the name of Tekla Irish. Um, she was my first kindergarten student, or uh, rather, teacher. Uh, she made a huge impact in my life because I was so scared to go to school as a kid and she really consoled me every time so i think she was my favorite elementary teacher yeah she sounds wonderful who was your favorite university prof dr alisa wise she was my supervisor um she was a woman who made such a huge difference in my life uh, i am a i was able to complete my phd because of her yeah You know, it's funny that you mention 
her because I took her course right and in research methodologies and right. I, I think it's the only reason I was able to complete my thesis right. was because of Alyssa's class right so um, shout out to a Dr. Alyssa Wise absolutely Alyssa we love you <laughs> Uh, what do you love most about your job? Well, I think the greatest thing in my job is that I get to work with students every semester, uh, students of different backgrounds, uh, different experiences. And I truly believe that in this job in teaching that you get to really touch people's lives. And I really love that, uh, to make a difference in a person's life in a very small way or in a big way. Uh, I mean, that's the part that I would really love. What do you love most about KPU? Well, I am so grateful to KPU. This was the institute that basically gave me a job when I came here as an immigrant. Uh, I came here with four suitcases uh, and my life would not be anything today if KPU did not give me an opportunity to work here. I think it's mostly the freedom that we have, the academic freedom. We still have a lot of freedom to try new things. Uh, yes, there are uh, policies, regulations that we have to follow, but I think uh, KPU is a wonderful place to give us that opportunity to try new things, learn from them, and kind of uh, encourage each other from that. So this it creates a wonderful environment for that opportunities, yeah. Yeah, I agree. So the last thing that I want to ask you is when you think about instructors, your peers here at KPU who are wanting to use technology or are curious about technology but are intimidated, right. what uh, recommendation or advice would you give to instructors who want to start to use technology in their class? That's, a, that's an excellent question. I go back to what I did. Uh, I think the, I think the most important thing is, don't think, don't start with technology. Just figure out what you want to do, what kind of a teacher you would like to be, what your pedagogy is, what you want to, uh, how do you want to relate this content to students? What kind of experiences students want to kind of, that your students want to, to in, engage with them. Having done that, you can basically pick. A simple technology tool and just try start with baby steps uh, just try it and don't be afraid to kind of uh, fail because we every time when we start something new we never do it perfectly and you will learn from them and the other biggest advice that I would like to give everybody is that uh, most of the things that I have learned about technology or about tools is by learning from others my peers um, the you will be amazed at the amount of things that KPU faculty are doing right now with technology. So reach out, ask for help, uh, use teaching teams. We use that in our department where we sit together and we kind of uh, discuss how best to kind of teach something and we share each other's Moodle courses, etc., etc. So holding hands, uh, it really works. And once you get to a state where you're comfortable with uh, uh, some kind of a technology, uh, I would encourage you to be a disruptor because you will not learn uh, until you disrupt. 
it's really really important that you challenge your own thinking uh, challenge your own paradigms uh, by that way uh, when you try out new things that's only how how things move forward so i like to encourage you with that and please don't be intimidated with technology it's just a tool we are much more smarter than any technology at the end of the day without a human being on the driving seat technology has no place so you are in charge so go for it and maybe just to add to that i will uh, shamelessly plug our teaching and learning commons because of course we have a whole team of of faculty members and non-faculty members who are developing resources and technologies for teachers to use so that they can try out something in Moodle or try H5P to make uh, a worksheet interactive. And we have, we've been making a lot of, uh, uh, demonstrational uh, demonstration videos on how to use a lot of the things that you've been talking about. Right. And, you know, you can also just come here and make an appointment and come and talk to somebody. And that's another way for you to connect with a peer here at KPU. Absolutely. And, and one last thing, uh, if I look at the entire journey, my 12, 11-year journey here at KPU, when we started, there was no kind of support. There was, of course, technology type support. There's this IET uh, uh, department. But today, I think there's so much of opportunities with TLC, some of the great things that many of our faculty members are doing. So get involved with the conversation. It could be just a brown bag conversation or it could be just a big uh, tech innovation that you want to do i think the greatest thing is get involved you know just try it sign up for a workshop that's right we have so many workshops running here in moodle and kaltura and and uh, powerpoint and i mean that's how you learn absolutely you just got to put in some time yeah okay well i just want to thank you so much for coming in and hanging out with me and talking about educational technology and for being a guest on beyond the chalkboard Thank you, Gordon, for this opportunity. It was great chatting with you today. Beyond the Chalkboard was created by Dr. Caitlin Kozlowski. Season 2 of Beyond the Chalkboard is produced, written, recorded, hosted, and edited by me, Dr. Gordon Cobb. For more information about educational technology at KPU, please visit the Teaching and Learning Commons website or follow us on our blog site, Friday Morning Coffee, our Twitter site, or our newsletter series, all of which can be found on our website at kpu.ca forward slash teaching dash and dash learning. Thanks for joining us.